Hello and welcome to this week's episode of What Happened for the week of February 17th, 2019. I am your host Tyler Callahan and this week we have stories in all three categories, tech, games, and movies. First up, as always, is tech. YouTube is changing their strike system. To try and improve how YouTube works, YouTube is changing up their community guidelines. Starting February 25th, there will now be a one-time warning for channels. That means if someone does put a strike against you, the video will just be pulled and that's it. After that strike, the system will be the normal three strikes and your channel is shut down. However, after a strike, if you do not get another one, after 90 days, it resets and goes back down to zero. So I like this because for a while now, there have been cases where YouTubers have been getting strikes for no reason and it is a pain to fight them. So you have basically a freebie strike as well as more clear guidelines, which is only a good thing. Apple is moving forward with merging iPhone, iPad, and macOS apps. According to Bloomberg, Apple is moving forward with merging their development coding so that developers would eventually be able to make a universal app that works on iPhones, iPads, and macOS. Now, Apple has talked about this last year when they showed off Project Marspin with the purpose of being iOS apps being able to run on Macs. With this report, it seems that after that is done, the next step is to do the opposite and make it fully universal. Also, Bloomberg is reporting that the SDKs needed for this to happen will come over time. The idea is that at WWDC this year, developers will get the SDK to make iPad apps compatible with macOS, and then another SDK sometime in 2020 for the iPhone apps. So I guess we will find out if this is true in June, but I'm going to say yeah, probably is. There needs to be a middle ground for apps because as of now, the iPad, for example, has incredible power, but it is handicapped by iOS and a selection of apps. Now, yes, you can get a lot done on an iPad, but there is always a ceiling, especially if you are into photo and video editing. At least Adobe is bringing their full Photoshop experience to iPad this year. Anyway, if Apple makes improvements to iOS along with getting developers to start making more of their apps compatible, the iPad might be a completely different beast in two to three years. Drivers in Australia will soon be able to get an emoji license plate. The Verge is reporting that soon people in Queensland, Australia will be able to get emojis on their license plates. They will be available on March 1st, and if you are in Queensland, you can pre-order now. Now, there are limits to this, with the main one being you can only get one emoji on a license plate. You cannot have a, to a total license plate with them. You can also only select from five. These license plates are also not cheap, with it costing about 340 American dollars. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'm not surprised that this is happening. I mean, emojis have become so commonplace that it was bound to happen somewhere. I think the question I have is that if this is available by you, would you get a special license plate for your car that has an emoji on it? Let me know. Samsung to stop making new Blu-ray players for the United States. Samsung has announced that they will stop making new Blu-ray or 4K Blu-ray players for the United States. Now, their statement to CNET is very specific. Quote, Samsung will no longer introduce new Blu-ray or 4K Blu-ray player models in the U.S. market. End quote. Now, what I take from this is to mean that they will stop making new models, but keep manufacturing the current ones. If that is the case, then I don't think there is anything to worry about here. Like people are talking about, oh no, physical media is dead. It's not dead, and it will never be dead. At worst, it'll just become a more niche thing like vinyls or probably eventually CDs. However, there is no need for Samsung to spend R&D money developing new players. The current ones are fine for playing movies and if customers want streaming services, there are dozens of devices that can do that, including their TV. Also, if you need a Blu-ray player, well, you got Blu-ray players, you have the PS4, you have Xbox One. Also, Xbox Ones play also 4K movies, so there is no shortage of playing these movies. Samsung announces the Galaxy S10, S10 Plus, S10e, and Fold. So this week, Samsung had their big unpacked event where they showed off a bunch of new phones, earbuds, and watches. 
We'll focus on the phones. First are the flagships, the S10 and S10 Plus. Unlike the S9 and 8, which are very similar, the S10 is not. On the front, Samsung decided to cut off even more bezel, and in doing so, the OLED screen now wraps around the camera. The other addition to the phone is the fingerprint reader, and no, it is not below the screen on the home button like older models. It's now back on the front, but has followed other Chinese phone manufacturers and has put the fingerprint reader underneath the screen itself. However, an issue with this is that Samsung themselves acknowledged is that having a screen protector might make it difficult to work. To fix this, Samsung will be approving third-party screen protectors that work with the S10. So what are the specs for the phone? The S10 has a 6.1 inch screen compared to the 6.4 inch screen of the S10 Plus. Along with this, the front camera is 10 megapixels, with the S10 Plus getting an additional 8 megapixel depth camera. The rear cameras are the same with three each, a telephoto 12 megapixel, a wide angle 12 megapixel, and an ultra wide 16 megapixel camera. Also, both front and rear cameras can shoot in 4K. The phones will be running on a Snapdragon 855 processor, with some countries getting Samsung's Eonos processor instead. Both phones will also have 8GB of RAM, with anywhere from 128GB to 512GB of storage, except for the S10 Plus, which has a special model at 12GB of RAM and 1TB storage, just like the Note 9. For battery, the S10 has a 3400mAh, while the S10 Plus has 4100mAh. Also, both phones have a USB-C port, support for microUSD, and a headphone jack. The S10 is also packing some nice software with it running Android OS 9 with Samsung's One UI. Another new feature is wireless power share. This turns an S10 into a QI wireless charging pad, which is good for charging Samsung's new Galaxy Buds or giving your friends a quick charge. For colors, at least in the United States, the options are blue, black, white, and pink. If you happen to choose the S10, plus the phone uses a ceramic back instead of aluminum, and the colors are black or white. Pre-orders start February 21st and start shipping on March 8th. Prices are based on what model you pick, but the S10 starts at $899, and the S10 Plus starts at $999. Moving on to the Galaxy S10e, with the E's meaning essential. So what are the main differences between the S10e and the S10? The first is the screen, with the S10e having a 5.8 inch OLED screen with full HD plus resolution. The other main difference is the camera with the front facing camera being 10 megapixels and for the rear it is 2 instead of 3 with one a wide angle 12 megapixel camera and an ultra wide 16 megapixel camera. However, the rest of the phone is very similar to the S10. The S10e is running on the same Snapdragon 855 processor as the other phones along with, again, some countries getting Samsung's Eonos processor. For RAM and storage, the options are 6GB of RAM with 128GB of storage or 8GB of RAM with 256GB of storage. Of course, expandable with microSD. The battery is also smaller with a 3100mAh, however, just like the S10 and S10 Plus, it runs Android OS 9, has a USB-C port, and a headphone jack. So overall, it seems the 10 e is a great option for people who do not want or can't afford the other models. Besides not having the best of the best in camera and displays, you can just get about everything else. If you are interested in getting the Galaxy S10e, it is available to pre-order today and it comes out March 8th with the pricing starting at $749. And lastly, we have the big one here. In both size and in price is the Galaxy Fold. The first foldable phone for the company that was teased last year is now in full display. So there are two displays here, with the cover screen being a 4.6 inch HD Plus Super AMOLED and the main display being a 7.3 inch QXGA Plus Dynamic OLED display. To back this up, the phone has a strong hinge system that Samsung says can handle 200,000 times or 100 times a day for 5 years. It's a lot of flipping. It is powered by 12 gigabytes of RAM and a Qualcomm 7NN octa-core processor. If you are looking for cameras, you came to the right place with the Galaxy Fold having 6 cameras. 
You heard me right. When a phone is folded, there is a front-facing camera with 10 megapixels. When you open it up, there are two front-facing cameras, with one being 10 megapixels and an 8 megapixel depth camera, a lot like the S10+. Plus. On the back of the phone, there are three cameras, with one being a 16 megapixel ultra-wide camera, a 12 megapixel wide-angle camera, and a 12 megapixel telephoto camera. For balance, there are two batteries instead of one, and combined gives the phone a battery of 4,380 milliamps. The operating system, of course, is Android OS 9, and because of the big screen size when opened, you can also run three apps at once on the screen instead of two. The one downside to all of this is that there is no headphone jack. So what about availability? Well, it'll be available in the United States on April 26th, and starts at $1,980. Right now, it'll only be available on two carriers, AT&T and T-Mobile. There will also be different colors for the phone, including blue, green, silver, and black. So what do I think about these phones? Well, they look fantastic, but the question for all of them is usability. Will the camera get in the way when using a phone more than a notch? How much of a step down is it compared to the S10? If, if not, then even better considering the price point. If I ever do get an Android phone to play around with, this could be the one. And that's for the 10e. For the Galaxy Fold, this is a really good looking phone for a first generation product. However, what is stopping me and probably most people is the price at just under $2,000. So I can't wait to try foldable phones and maybe even a newer Galaxy Fold down the line, but in like three to four years. What do you think of Samsung's Galaxy announcements? Let me know. Finally, moving over to games, Valve is shutting down its video section. If you do not know, Valve actually had a small section on Steam where you could buy or rent movies. However, that is over now. Valve has announced that the video section on Steam will be shut down. That does not mean that all videos are leaving though. Gaming related videos can still be purchased and anything you bought will you'll still be able to watch. All of the non-gaming videos will be taken off over the next few weeks. I can't say I'm surprised by this because when it first started a few years ago, it was weird then, but then you actually started to get some movies and it seemed like it was getting momentum, and then it just stopped. I or anyone else have not heard about it in years and I will admit I almost forgot about it. So no one will be shedding tears over this. Samsung has an exclusive Fortnite skin for S10 Plus pre-orders. Following what they started with the Note 9, Samsung has an exclusive Fortnite skin if you pre-order the S10 Plus. The skin is based on a K-pop singer who is a member of the boy band Icon. So this is a cool pre-order and the previous skin that they had for Note 9 was really cool, but I feel this should be offered for the S10 as well. I understand not giving it for the uh, S10e, but I think people are spending enough money on the S10 to get a free Fortnite skin. Google will have an event at GDC next month. Google has announced that they will be holding an event at GDC, or Game Developers Conference, set for March 19th. Google has not specifically said what the event will be about. However, all signs point to them talking about Project Stream, the idea being that you can play games streamed to your Chrome browser. At a test last year where players could play Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Now my guess is that the public test is over and they will unveil more details about the service like a proper name, what games will be there at launch, and maybe how much. I do not think it will come out next month though. I feel it will be sometime during the summer or the fall with possibly another test in between. Now if this does work, it would be great. This has been a long time coming. If anyone remembers years ago, OnLive was a service where you bought this box and would let you stream games to your computer. The issue with that then and now is all streaming services is your internet connection. If you have a terrible internet connection, the lag on the playing games would be crazy and wouldn't provide a terrible experience. Knowing Google though, hopefully they have some kind of solution to this. Lastly, moving over to movies, Chris Hemsworth to star in a Hulk Hogan movie. Chris Hemsworth is set to star as Hulk Hogan for a movie for Netflix, with Hangover director Todd Phillips set to direct. The Hollywood Reporter is reporting that the movie will be about the life of Hulk Hogan, and that the team not has only gotten the rights to it, but Hogan will also join as a consultant and an executive producer. So uh, I just wanted to report this because it is interesting, but personally I don't really care for the movie itself. Like I don't care enough about Hulk Hogan to be excited by this, but hey, if the movie's good I'll give it a watch. 
Are you excited for a Hulk Hogan movie? Let me know. Netflix buys the rights for The Wandering Earth. Netflix has bought the rights for the mega hit from China, The Wandering Earth. Deadline is reporting that Netflix has bought the streaming rights for the movie worldwide except for China, which makes sense because they do not directly operate there. They have also picked up the second-run theater rights in America, which as far as I know means that if they want to put it back in theaters, they can. The movie on a $50 million budget has made over $600 million in 16 days. As of now, there is no release date for The Wandering Earth on Netflix. I'm happy about this though because I want to see the movie. I was excited when it was announced that it would be in select theaters in America, and I could go, but it was only in IMAX for a couple days. And I do want to see the movie, but I don't want to pay $20 a ticket, so I didn't go. Now with this, I can at least watch it on my TV, and maybe in theaters, hopefully just not in the IMAX, if Netflix decides to do that. So that's it for this week's episode of What Happened. What stories did you find interesting? Let me know on Instagram at Tyler Callahan Media. Otherwise, you can follow me on Twitter always at Tyler Callahan 95. Thank you for listening and see you next week.